Hey, good to see you, good to see you, thanks for coming, good to have you. Um, I just leaned over to Logan as he was walking by, I said, go home. So I appreciate our music team, um, always ready to be here on Sunday mornings and leading us in uh, worshiping the Lord through music, and uh, Logan uh, is not feeling the best this morning, so, uh, but he came in, he cranked it out, appreciate him doing that, and Jeff joined in too to kind of carry that load, and of course Dana was here, and Greg was here, and just, just also an FYI, um, I know. Do you hear more music, more instruments up here than the ones that are playing? Those are called tracks, which is pretty, pretty good. I mean, we live in a world where we can have fill-in music, but we don't necessarily want to have fill-in music. We would like to have a full band up here. We have drums; they're just, they're just stored somewhere right now, just because we're doing a. St- Anyways, so if you play the drums, you play the guitar, electric guitar, no kazoo's. We've been offered that, and just. You know, just can't do it. It's like, you know, uh, don't want that. But uh, if you sing, if you play the piano, uh, ukulele, mandolin, um, I mean, yeah, whatever. If you play those things, Bill, um, if you pray, play those things. But also be praying um, as we are continuing to search for a music resident. Um, as you guys know, Logan stepped down, but he continues to, to help us, which I, you know, we obviously really appreciate him doing that. Um, but, uh, we always talk a lot, especially on your leadership team, where God meets our needs, right? Um, but he only meets our needs when they are in need. And we may be thinking, I, I got this coming up next month, and God's got to, you know, I'm, I'm worked up, you know, I'm frustrated, and, and blah, 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 something's coming up, and so I need to be peace now. No, God gives us what we need when we need it. So sometimes his timing is not our timing, Right? And so we're in that position right now. We're kind of wishing that the Lord would bring somebody along, but things are not necessarily going uh, according to our timing. Kind of like the guy we're going to be talking about in John uh, chapter 9 this morning. You turn there, it's page 1070. Here's a guy who is blind from birth. And, uh, or as I said this morning, he was birthed from blind. <laughs> what? Uh, he was blind from birth. And, um, uh, and I'm sure he was wondering, you know, why is it that he was born blind? And why is it that... It wasn't until he was an adult that Jesus shows up. You know, why didn't God keep him from being born blind? And why didn't God maybe heal him when he was a kid? You know, all the things that he missed. Um, and so I'm sure he was kind of feeling that way. We've been working through the Gospel of John. We've been in several weeks so far. We've got several more to go. We're going to bring this all the way through to Easter. And again, John's purpose for, for writing uh, this gospel telling us about who Jesus is, is that we might know that we can have eternal life. So this is all about knowing where we're going to spend eternity. All right. So when this life is over, where are we going to spend eternity? We have two options according to Scripture, and that is an eternity in hell or an eternity in heaven. And John's like, I'm writing this up so you can know it, that you are going to heaven when you die. And so as we look through this, and as we spent this time, I just want to ask a question for you to think about. You don't need to respond. Just kind of think about it. What do you think about Jesus? Uh, what do you think about his claim that, that he's actually God and that he, it's through him that someone receives eternal life if you place your faith in him? For some people, it'll be like, hey, you know, Jesus, he's a good guy. Um, you know, he's, he's better than most people. Um, but it kind of stops right there. He's just, you know, he's just a good guy. He just seems like a really nice guy. After all, he goes around and heals people. It's pretty awesome. For others of you, you might be thinking, you know, actually when it comes to this eternal life business, um, you know, I got it. I'll take care of it. I, 
you know, I'll, I've got my, uh, my idea of what it takes to get to uh, eternal life, and, and I, you know, I'm going to work at it. It's on me. I got this. Others of you may be saying, you know, actually, I'm just not even really interested. I'm here because somebody invited me. I'm not really interested in this because I know that if I start following Jesus, if I, start, if I place my faith in him, I'm going to lose a bunch of friends. I'm going to lose family members. And that happens. I mean, we have people in our church um, who have experienced that. I've experienced that in my life. And, and maybe others of you are saying, you know, I, I believe who he says he is. I believe he's God. I believe he's Savior. I, I believe that, um, that he's the one who has my life, not just this life, but my eternal life in his hands. And so these statements summarize the people that are in this event, the, this time where Jesus walks up on this uh, guy who had been born, uh, born blind. And so my, my question for you is, which of these people do you identify with? So I kind of want that sitting in your head as we work through this, as we interact with some of these people. Now, I just want to give you a real, uh, little helpful hint. We're always here to give more than just what the Bible is teaching, but some you know, helpful tidbits for life. And uh, so when, when you're reading the Bible, especially when you're reading a story, sometimes it's helpful to split the story up into what we call scenes. Kind of like if you're, you know, in TV, there's different scenes, or a play, there's different scenes. It allows you to kind of focus in on an individual scene, <clears throat> work through that, and work through another scene, and pretty soon you get the whole picture of what's happening. And so we're going to work through this morning, we're going to work through uh, different scenes. And so scene one takes off in John chapter one, and it says this, talking about Jesus, he's, he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Now, I don't know, have you ever asked that? Have you saw somebody who has, you know, had some sort of challenge in their life and you wondered if that person sinned or, or the parents sinned? Well, that was kind of a common thinking going on back in the first century. And so as it pertains to the man sinning, in Judaism, which was Israel, Israel's religion at the time, um, they believed that a child could sin in the womb. I mean, just think about that. What could, a, what could a baby developing in the womb do to sin? Now, we know that all of us were born sinners. You know, we get that. But you know, the only thing I can think of is like yanking on the umbilical cord. I, I mean, I don't know. You know, mom's trying to sleep at night and... Or mom's trying to sleep at night and... Get me out of here! You know, I don't know. I'm just saying, it seems kind of weird, but that's what they believe. People believe a lot of weird things. And so that's what they believe. Hellenistic Jews, which are Jews that uh, didn't follow Judaism and they kind of followed more of the Greek philosophy, they believed that your spirit pre-existed. And so that when you were conceived, then the spirit came and was implanted in you um, some way, somehow. And so prior to being conceived, your spirit, which pre-existed, um, somehow sinned. And then that would cause some impact. It's almost like karma, you know, which again, it's not accurate teaching. That's false teaching. But, um, and by the way, the Mormons, they believe that today, that your, their spirit pre-existed. Neither of those things are taught in the Bible. Uh, so the disciples were wrong, but they're voicing what they thought they knew was right. And we, again, we do that all the time. With the parents sinning, probably what they're thinking there is in the Old Testament, it says that God <clears throat> would visit judgment on the third and fourth generation of the father who sinned. 
And, um, but as you study that out, the context is really more of like what was happening in culture at the time. And it's the consequences of sin. So if, if a father sinned, and then there were some consequences that impacted the family. Uh, it wasn't the family was being judged for the sin, it's just there's consequences. And as a nation, if a, cult, if a culture, kind of like our culture, that continues to do things wrong and live incorrectly, it causes there to be some consequences to that. Um, and again, that's not what's happening here. Um, in fact, Jesus goes on to explain why it is that this man was allowed to be born blind. So Jesus answered, It was neither this man sinned nor his parents. Then why? So here's why. But it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. That's pretty incredible. So God allows this individual to be born blind. Not only that, but he chooses to let that man live blind until his adulthood. Because he's not living with his parents anymore. And it's just kind of interesting. And why do you do that? So that God could reveal himself. Now he's going to do it through Jesus, right? Jesus, who's God, he's going to reveal his deity. His deity. Remember? Anytime you say deity, you got to say it with an English accent, right? Anyways, so then Jesus goes on to say, we, speaking of Jesus and his disciples, must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. So what Jesus is saying, is, I'm not going to be around forever. And so he and his disciples, they need to get to work. They need to keep doing this and, and doing the works that God has called them to do. Now we know that when he's gone, um, John 14 and 16, he tells us that he's going to bring allow the Holy Spirit to come and indwell us who are his disciples, and we're going to continue on the work as well. But here in this situation, he's, he's just saying, hey, he is disciples. Jesus is not going to be there forever. He's going to hang out on the cross here in a few months and then go back to heaven when he rises from the dead. And so, so Jesus says, okay, listen, God allowed, I allowed this man to be born blind and I, and I allowed him to live until his adulthood so that God could reveal himself, so God can show his power, which again, it's Jesus is God. He's showing his power. And so the question that just kind of naturally comes out of this is how many of you have ever been in that situation? You're wondering, this, a lot of times this happens to, to people who, in their salvation when they finally come to Christ. And they'll say, well, why didn't God save me when I was younger? And why did he wait till I messed up my life and you know, all that, and then later on in life. Well, all I can answer you is what Jesus answers, because God chose to do that, because God's always about revealing himself, always about revealing his power. And so there's something about that, and other times that he meets our needs, there's something about his timing, which is perfect, that then allows him to reveal his, himself, which we talk about God's glory, revealing his glory. He's revealing who he is to, to you and to others as they watch you, and so you know, we've got to kind of just take a deep breath and stop questioning why God does what he does in that sense and realize he's doing it to reveal himself. We've talked about this a lot, right? Reveal himself. He, he wants to do things in order to draw people to him for salvation. He wants to work in our lives to bring people around us to him for salvation. And, and he wants us to grow to become more like Jesus Christ. And we've done a whole series of messages on that. So, uh, so Jesus then... I'm not going to read these verses. I'll just summarize them for you. So at that point, 
Jesus, he doesn't ask the guy if he wants to get healed. Jesus just... <laughs> on the ground. And then he takes dirt, mixes it all up into a paste, and he puts it on the guy's eyes. Thanks. Now, his spit is perfect, so, you know, that's good. Now, we're not told why he does this. We, we don't know why. We're not told why. Uh, sometimes he uses spit. Sometimes he doesn't use spit. Sometimes he takes spit and puts it in the dirt, and sometimes he doesn't. We don't really know. We do know that in the first century, they some medicinal um, properties. So I don't know. I, so then, of course, this is me. You guys probably don't do this. But then I'm sitting in my doctor's office, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, doctor, <clears throat> I got a sore throat. <clears> throat> he spits in my mouth. You know, I, I Higgin had this happen to him. Uh, when he was playing with Ollie, and he turned the Ollie, Ollie upside down right into his mouth. He's like, it's not on my shirt. I said, yeah, because it went in your mouth. Ah! Anybody ever been spit on purposely? Like a person hated you so much, he spit on you? I had it happen to me. Um, yeah. Came from a third, um, like from a bleacher. I was walking behind a bleacher. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm not saying this should happen, but that guy eventually met my brother, and my brother had a conversation with the guy. I'll just put a leave it there. But anyways, so I didn't have to worry about it. My brother was the one who did it. Um, but point is, so again, so he puts a, and he says, hey, listen, run down to the pool of Siloam, which if it was me, I'd be like beeline. I'm definitely, he has to wash, wash it off your eyes. And so the guy does. He runs down to the pool of Siloam, which by the way, is the same pool we talked about in John 7, where the golden pitcher of water came from. And so he went down there, Wipes it, you know, washes it out of his eyes and opens his eyes and lo and behold, you can see. Again, put yourself in this guy's sandals. This guy hasn't seen anything ever. And now he's seeing, you know, full color. He's, he's, he's seeing what people look like and nature and, you know, all that. It's just really kind of a cool thing. So he comes running back. Jesus is gone. But all those people who were sitting there watching him before beg, they're like, wait, is this the guy? And, you know, I don't think it is a guy. And he's like, no, it is the guy. And he says, well, how does this happen? And he says, well, this man, Jesus, he healed me. And said, where he's, where's he at? And he, I don't know where he's at. And so we're not really sure why this happens, but the guys, uh, his neighbors and friends, those who knew him, of course, they, now they wait until the next day because Jesus healed on the Sabbath and the Pharisees don't work on the Sabbath, right? I do i got to figure out how they can get into their job. But anyways, so they, uh, they don't work on the Sabbath, so they didn't show up then. So the next day, they take this guy to them. And we're not sure why they're doing it. Uh, they may think, uh, hey, we really want to know what's happening here. Certainly the religious guys would be able to tell us how this guy got healed. It could be that they know that, they, uh, that the religious leaders are after Jesus. They want to see him dead, so they're going to try to get in good with the religious leaders. People love to get in good with the religious leaders, you know, on this one be even better with God, they think. So we're not really sure, but whatever the case, they bring this guy to the religious leaders, and here's how it plays out. They brought to the Pharisees a man who was formerly blind. Now it was a Sabbath on the day that when Jesus made clay and opened his eyes. Now again, i got to constantly remind us that Jesus didn't break the Sabbath. Jesus broke the religious leaders' additions to the Sabbath. I'll explain that in a little bit. Then the Pharisees also were asking him again how he received his sight. And he said to them, 
This is very simple, by the way. He applied clay to my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Bada boom, bada bing, right? Nothing really complicated here. This is what happened, all right? Therefore, some of the Pharisees were saying, this man is not from God, speaking of Jesus, because he does not keep the Sabbath. Again, there are additions to the Sabbath. But others were saying, how can a man who's a sinner, one who doesn't follow our laws, perform such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? We can't seem to agree out of curiosity. You know, what do you think? And he said, he is a prophet. All right, so he's a prophet. So let me explain, um, let me explain the Sabbath thing here. Because again, they're saying Jesus uh, broke the Sabbath, which he didn't. Um, and, and so what's going on here? So God, um, and this is important, and the reason why this is important is because we have Christian denominations today who say that you need to follow a set of rules in order to know that you have eternal life. They'll say, um, put your faith in Jesus plus, put your faith in Jesus, then you need to be baptized. Uh, Put your faith in Jesus, then you need to become a member of a church. Put your faith in Jesus, then you need to speak in tongues. Put your faith in Jesus, you need to give financially. Put put your faith in Christ, and you need to take communion. Put your faith in Christ, you need to go and do penance. I mean, there's just over and over and over again, you see, and if you study it out and you watch it and you talk to people, it's always, yeah, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I also need to. Listen, John's written the Gospel of John to let us know that that's not where we get eternal life from. I get it. It's hard to break from what you've been taught growing up. I 100% get it. I, same for me. But, but if, if it's anything, if it's, if it's Jesus plus whatever, that, listen, that's not eternal life. That's, that's what Jesus is saying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm reading it from Scripture. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Those are the things you may or may not do, but not for eternal life, but because you have eternal life, because you're in relationship with God. You've placed your faith in Christ. So the Sabbath thing, what was happening is God gave mankind the Sabbath, gave Israel the Sabbath. And the idea behind the Sabbath was that you would take a break from your work just for one day. Back then, they worked their tails off. It was kind of an agricultural um, society. So a lot of people were farmers. They, they busted their tails every day. They lived from hand to, to mouth. I mean, it, it was rough. And so then he said, listen, trust me. Don't chase the dollar. Don't chase anything else. Just trust me. Take a day off. Don't do what you normally do. And spend that day refreshing and renewing yourself spiritually. Worship me. Spend time with me. Now, for the majority of us, us taking a break from our work is no more than just turning the computer off. You know, physically, we probably should be doing more, you know. Um, Sorry, didn't mean to get so offensive. But anyways, I mean, okay, I should probably do more too. Anyways, but they were saying, well, if, if, if that pleases God, then let's add a bunch of stuff to that, and that'll really please God. Well, no, that's not the law. That's not what God wanted. It's not what Jesus, God the Son, gave to Israel. Anyways, so the, the Pharisees are divided. They look to this guy and say, hey, what do you think? The guy says, I think he's a prophet. So they're like, well, this guy's not helping us. Let's go, you know, let's find his parents and see if they can shed some light on the situation, pun intended. And so they bring the parents in, 
And the parents, again, we're not going to read these. I'm going to summarize it. The parents come in. They ask them, hey, who is this guy? And they're like, yeah, yeah, he's our son. Yes, he was born blind. And evidently, as you can see, he can see. But if you want to know how that happened, we don't want any part of this. We are out. You ask him. He's an adult. He knows what happened to him. We're gone. John tells us the reason for that is because the religious leaders who had been meeting, of course, about Jesus, they determined that if anybody um, believed and voiced that they believed that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, they, they believed, they said, yeah, I believe Jesus is the, the this, you know, God, man, Savior combo. And then they, they so they all agreed that they're going to actually kick that person out of, out of the synagogue. In other words, they could no longer worship. Um, and then they leaked that. Kind of like what our government seems to do at certain times. Right? So they, they leaked that information out so everybody knows this. And so the parents know this, and they don't want to be kicked out of the synagogue. Because if you get kicked out of the synagogue, you know what happens? You lose everything. We, we don't quite get this in our society as, as much. But for the, all of culture in Israel and in, in in non-Jewish culture as well back in the first century, is all wrapped up in their religion. Our, wor- our worship today is worship of self. You know, our God is ourself. Back then they actually had gods they worshiped. So it's a little different. But, so for Israel, if you got excommunicated, if you got kicked out of the synagogue, you lose everything. You lose your friends. You lose your family. You would probably lose your job. You wouldn't be able to have business contacts anymore, not with Jewish people, because they're all told, don't, don't talk to that person. They're not Jewish anymore. They're sinners. They're unclean. They're not to be part of anything. They wouldn't be invited to any family parties. All their holidays, the four festivals a year, they wouldn't be able to go to Jerusalem. They wouldn't be able to be with their family. Now, some of you guys are sitting there going, oh my word, that's happened to us. Yeah. People who have placed their faith in Christ, they, they do. They lose friends sometimes. They lose family members. And it's, it's hard. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. But to, so, they, so they're afraid. Well, they're not any help, right? And so they said, well, let's go ahead and let's get this guy back in. Let's, let's talk to him again. And this, is, this, guy, this guy is probably one of the best guys in Scripture. This, this is fun. So, so a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. In other words, Listen, we're going to give you a heads up. You need to say that God healed you. Not Jesus. You need to say that God healed you. Okay? So when we're going to ask you a question, and your answer is going to be what? <laughs> so give glory to God. Say God healed. We know that this man, speaking of Jesus, is a sinner. So they know this. right? He answered them, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind... Now I see. I mean, that's all I got for you guys. You know, I, I can't look into his heart. You know, I, I was blind. Now I see. So they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Because what they're looking for is some information now so they could use it against Jesus. Like he did some sort of incantation or something, right? And he answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Hello. You know, why, did you want, why do you want to hear it again? You do not want to become his disciples too, do you? You know, this guy's just right back in the The parents were afraid of religious leaders. This guy, not afraid at all. He's just taking it to them. So now he's, you know, yeah. Anyways, so they reviled him. In other words, they yelled at him and they mocked him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. 
We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he is from. What they're saying there is, this guy has no you know, important lineage. He's not like some well-known person like us. He, he's, just, he's a nobody. In fact, we found out in John chapter 8 that they even said you're a child from sexual immorality. So this guy is, in their minds, Jesus is nothing. He's dirt. All right? The man answered and said to them, <laughs> this is so good. Well, well, here's an amazing thing that you do not know where he is from. You think he's insignificant? That's a hard word to say. Insignificant. There you go. And yet, he opened my eyes. In other words, you guys never did, Mr. Significant, you know. Man, rough stuff. Anyways, then the man continues on. He's going to give a little Old Testament lesson here to these guys. We know that God does not hear sinners. And there's biblical passages that say that. So this guy, he might have been blind, but he was listening, right, when he's being taught. So he does not hear sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears him. Again, biblical passages that would say that. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. No human had ever done that. Solely human. Jesus did, right? Jesus has done it. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. If he was a sinner, he couldn't talk to God because God wouldn't listen to him. If he is God-fearing, he could talk to God and God would listen to him. So what happened here, they answered him, you were born entirely in sins and you're teaching us? So they put him out. In other words, they kicked him out of the synagogue. So, this guy, though blind, as he was growing up, he listened well in church, uh, synagogue. Okay, so he, he, he got what they were teaching. The, the religious leader should have figured this one out. They should have known this. But basically what he's saying, pulling from Scripture, is that, um, that God doesn't hear the prayer of a sinner, of someone who's not right with God. Which again, has some in, interesting implications for us in our world today as people talk about, I'll be praying for you. Well, if you don't know Jesus, God's not hearing you, but whatever the case. So, you know, and then he also, he does hear the prayer of the God-fearing person. So evidently Jesus is God-fearing because he heard him. He was able to heal him. No one's ever healed someone born blind. Well, Jesus has. We're not looking at the other Gospels, but in the other Gospels, Jesus already healed a blind man. All right, Mark, I think it's Mark 8. He already healed a blind man. So Jesus has. So this guy's trying to get across, hey, yeah, I get it that he's a man, but he's more than a man, evidently. In fact, in Isaiah 35, again, 700 years before Jesus showed up on the, on the earth, then the eyes of the blind, Isaiah's talking about the Messiah when he comes, then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer. By the way, Jesus did all these things, right? And the tongue of the mute will shout for joy. In Psalm 146, it says, The Lord is the one who opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. These guys should have known this. These were the experts in the Old Testament law. These guys knew the Old Testament Scriptures backward and forward. But they're not, they're not happy for this guy. They're angry at Jesus. And they, they show that they're not happy with this guy. They insult him. They say, you're born entirely in your sins. In other words, 
Well, we know now why you were born blind. That's how sinful you are. You should have stayed blind. I mean, these guys, there's just no love in these guys at all. They're condescending. They're asking, who are you to teach us? We're the religious leaders. We got RL on our shirts. You know, we are, we are it. And then they kick them out of the synagogue. They did what they said they were going to do. They didn't say, hey, leave our building. They said, leave our community. Leave, leave our religion. That guy making that decision lost, if he ever had his parents, lost his parents, lost his friends, lost his business connections, if he had any. He was getting a beggar. But he would not be able to now develop business relationships with people now that he could see. He had lost everything. All support. Anytime he needed something, he couldn't go to people he knew. Because when they kick you out, those that are in, they're not going to help you because they don't want to go get bad in a bad situation with the religious leaders. And again, it's hard for us maybe to understand. Some of you guys do understand. But Jesus, knowing what's happened here, he goes and finds this man. The guy's out walking around. He's heard what's going on. And so he finds this guy. And he wants to bring this guy and allow him the opportunity to be a part of God's family. Because if the, if the Judaizers, yeah, uh, people in Judaism, if they aren't going to take care of their own, then God's going to take care of this guy. Right? And so he finds him, and that's how this conversation goes. Jesus heard that they had put him out, and finding him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said, You have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking to you. Right here. Nope, go back. And he said, Lord, I believe. Now, how do we know he believed? It was true faith. How do we know that? Well, he worshipped him. So there was a response. We don't know what the response was. It could have been that he was bowing down to him. It could have, you know, who knows, hugging him. I don't know. But he did something. He showed Jesus. And, of course, Jesus knows his heart. But he shows something where he worshipped Jesus. There was a, a response that happened. And Jesus said, and again, here's why God allowed the man to be born and remain blind until Jesus came. So, now he's going to explain it. For judgment I came into this world, so that those who do not see, so here's the judgment, for those who do not see, those who recognize their spiritual blindness, may see, they may receive spiritual sight, spiritual life. And that those who see, or they think they have spiritual sight in life, may become blind. They may realize that they actually don't have spiritual sight in spiritual darkness. Those are the Pharisees, who are with him. Now, the Pharisees, if you could just picture this, you're out working in your backyard, and uh, it, it's been kind of raining a lot, but now the sun's out, and you're in there, and you're still kind of soaked, and, and there's mosquitoes all over, right? You're trying to work, and there are always mosquitoes around you, right? That's the Pharisees. Because wherever Jesus goes, they're like gnats, like, like mosquitoes on a hot day, just always around. So he's talking to this man, but they're hovering. So they heard him say these things and said to him, we are not blind too, are we? You're not saying that we, religious leaders, you know, the guys who are perfect at the law, you're not saying that we don't have spiritual sight, spiritual life. Jesus said to them, if you were blind, if you recognize that you were spiritually in spiritual darkness, you would have no sin. You would have a spiritual light, sight, to understand you need to ask me for forgiveness of sin. But since you say we see, your sin remains. So in other words, 
since you're standing there saying, yeah, my, my goodness is in me, you're just basically showing that, no, you are spiritually dark. You, you are blind. So he gives us the point of why he's doing this. So, he asks the man, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, why does he do that? What's the Son of Man? What's that title? Every Jewish person knows the title Son of Man. In the, in the Old Testament book of Daniel, the prophet, he talks about that one day there's going to become a God, there's going to come to earth a God-man. And this God-man, the Son of Man, is going to establish his kingdom. It's going to last forever. And so Israel was always looking for this God-man who's going to come and establish the kingdom. Just like we look for Jesus Christ to return, these guys were looking for this. So this guy knew exactly who Jesus was talking about. He's talking about the God-man. And so he's saying, do you believe that I'm the God-man? Do you believe that I'm the one who's bringing God's kingdom to this earth? Now we know the kingdom initially starts in man's heart and eventually Christ will come to earth and set up a kingdom for a thousand years and all that kind of stuff. We won't talk about it so much this morning. But, and so just like we look for him, they were looking for his first coming. And so the man says, well, who is it? Who is this son of man? And Jesus said, I am. And he says, I believe. I believe that you're the son of man. I believe that you are the God man that Daniel talked about. And not only does he say he believed, but he shows that he, there's a demonstration of his worship, of his, of his belief. And then Jesus explains the miracle. Now he says, I came to bring judgment. Now for those of you who are keying in here, John chapter 3, Jesus says, I didn't come to judge, but I came to save. So what's he talking about here? This isn't Jesus making a judgment. It's saying Jesus has come and the judgment has to, make, has to be made. We have to make a judgment on him. And the way that is, is when we see him, if his presence and his teaching and understanding who he is, if it causes us to go, oh my word, I'm spiritually blind, then we will turn to him and receive spiritual sight from him. But if we see what he's saying, if we hear what he's saying, and then we think, no, 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 I got this. I can do this on my own. The judgment is we are spiritually blind. And we are not going to receive eternal life. Think about it this way. The religious leaders of Jesus' day, if they have not placed their faith in Christ, which we know some of them did, but if they did not do that, the religious leaders of Israel would have, will spend eternity in hell, is what Jesus is saying to them. They may have irreversible blindness, as he, as he talks about here in, in a second. So sadly, religious leaders, they, they don't understand, at least the ones that were standing around them. They didn't get it. They didn't understand it. Um, they were unable to admit their spiritual blindness and their need for Jesus. And Jesus said it's going to cause potential irreversible blindness for you if you don't understand this. And so as I asked at the beginning, with whom do you most identify with in this story? Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you see yourself as kind of the self-reliant religious leaders. And by that I mean that you say, I got this. I, I hear what you're saying about Jesus, but I got this. I'm, I have a set of rules either that somebody has given to me, some religious leader has given to me, or I'm going to make up my own, whatever the case, I've got this. I'm, I'll be good enough and I'll get to heaven. I'll, I'll get eternal life. The problem is, there, if you do that, you're in position, you're positioning yourself to have irre, irreversible spiritual blindness. Because here's the deal. We only have this life to make the decision. Look what Hebrews says. Yeah, you have this, there you go. 
So Hebrews 9 says, Inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this, after this, the death, comes judgment. So the Bible tells us that once you die, there's going to be judgment. And the judgment's either going to be eternity in hell or eternity in heaven. That's the options. And so everybody doesn't want to go to hell, right? Except for those that think there's a party 24-7. It's not, that's, what, not, that's not how Jesus describes it. But everybody says, well, I just want to go, you know, either I'll go to hell with my friends. But most people say, well, I want to go to heaven, and I'm good enough to get there. The problem is, you're not. I'm not. None of us are. Look what Titus says. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, speaking about Jesus, he, speaking of God, saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness. Not, not because of any good deeds. Not whether they're religious good deeds or just being a nice person. If it's personal effort, that doesn't save you. The Bible's saying God saves you. But according to his mercy, by washing of regeneration, here's some big words, by a washing of regeneration, which means giving spiritual life, and the renewing, taking out the old sinful side and putting in the new spiritually alive side, who does that? By the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit does this work. Whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So when we place our faith in Christ, I believe in the Son of Man, I believe in God, then God puts in us his Holy Spirit. So that being justified, declared not guilty of our sin, by his grace, because it's a gift. If I give you a gift and you want to give me money, now you're paying for that and it's not a gift anymore. Right? So our efforts are working for eternal life is you know, paying for it and that doesn't work. They would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So this is what God is saying allows you to get into his heaven. And if you believe anything other than that, now you have to wrestle with him because he wants you in his heaven. And so it comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe some of you are, are, are like the parents, and so you're like, yeah, well, you know, I would, but I'll lose everybody. I'll lose all my friends. I'll lose my family. I'll lose my connections, my community. All the people that I've poured uh, myself into and who have poured into me, I'll lose all those people if I start following Jesus, because that's what a lot of people do. These parents, they gave up an eternity in heaven for an eternity in hell because they didn't want to lose some relationships with people. I don't know about you. I'll take eternity in heaven and lose some relationships. Okay? And again, not to be mean, because hopefully those people will come to Christ if they see how you operate. But here's the deal. When Jesus was on earth, he began forming this new family, this new spiritual family. In Matthew, he says this, Someone said to him, Jesus, behold, your, fa your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you, his, his, his blood family. But Jesus answered the one who was telling him and said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? I'm sure the person was like, uh. And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, those who followed Jesus, he said, behold, my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven he is my brother and sister and mother. When Jesus was on earth, he was forming the spiritual family. This, this family that was going to come together and be closer than any 
human family could ever be. At least that's his goal. That's his desire. See, in John 14 and 6, he's going to tell us that God the Holy Spirit is going to come. And God the Holy Spirit, when he comes, Acts chapter 2 is where it happens, that he's going to indwell us. We don't become God. We don't become like God. We have God, God's Holy Spirit in us. He's, he's present in our lives. But it's more than that. He takes us and he unifies us. So you who have placed your faith in Christ, you and I are unified, not by blood. Blood goes away. Holy Spirit, he never goes away. Families on earth die off. We will never be separated. We'll live together for eternity. In other words, this church family, in our, in our case, those who call Grace Point their church, we are to be closer than our blood relatives because we're going to spend eternity with them with our church family. Remember John 1.12. But as many as received him, speaking of Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. And I'm not going to go into all the New Testament, but the entire New Testament is all about this God's family, about the body of Christ, the household of God. It just all sorts of different ways, but it's his family. We're to be a family together. Are we perfect? No. But is your blood relatives, are they perfect? No. But we love each other, and we forgive each other, and we continue to grow together. It's part of our spiritual growth that we spend time together. It's why we, God commanded us to be together, to be here on Sunday mornings. It's why I'm constantly calling people, texting people, emailing people, sending letters to people. Hey, you need to be here. Not because I want to see more people sitting out here, because their spiritual life is at, at stake in that sense. They're not going to grow spiritually, because that's part, being with your spiritual family is part of that. And the last one is, is, and my hope is, every one of us in this room, listening on this podcast, whether you think right now you're thinking like a, a religious leader or you're, you're thinking like the parents, that all of us would place our faith in Christ and become like the man. The man who received his, not just his physical sight, more importantly, he received, who received spiritual sight and gave his life to Christ and found spiritual life through Christ. So as we close our takeaways this morning, if you're here this morning and you're like the religious leaders or you're like the parents, you have to understand Scripture saying you're spiritually blind. And if you want spiritual sight, like the man who received spiritual or physical sight and spiritual sight, you have to come to Christ. All right? And so tell him you believe in him. That's what this guy did. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Now, we didn't see that initially happening here, but we know that's part of it, and Jesus talks more about that. And, and that you want your spiritual blindness removed. And then trust him that when he says, I'm giving you eternal life, that that's what he means. That you don't have to do anything for that. And once you have that spiritual life, now you worship him with your life. Now you do those things that he says to do, but not to earn salvation, but because you're already in relationship with him. And if you're a person who's already uh, able to see spiritually in that sense, that you have this relationship with God, then worship him with your life. We talk, this, talk about this being worship. It is. But we worship him with our life. And so get on mission with Jesus. In John 9, 4, what we read is that we must work the works of him who sent, sent him. We still have that mission. Jesus gave it to us at the end of Matthew. He gave it to us in Acts chapter 1. He gave us God the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. 
And we have him today. We're supposed to be on mission with him, doing life God's way, responding to people's needs, loving people, caring for people, just like Jesus and the disciples did when he was on earth. And so our responsibility is to show the light of Jesus to those in our life who are spiritually blind so they can see that light and they can be brought to that light and hopefully, Lord willing, they'll give their life to Christ as well. Let's go ahead and stand. Close in prayer.